Welcome to another Inside the U podcast. Be sure to visit InsideTheU.com, follow us on Twitter at InsideTheU, or you can email the show InsideTheUPodcast at gmail.com. This is Christopher Stock, and I'm here with David Lake. David, how's it going? Good, good. Excited for this Thursday night game. Yeah, it should be good. Hey, how, how was your weekend? Did you watch any of the games uh, over the weekend? Yeah, definitely watched uh, Florida-Tennessee game. That was pretty uh, cr- pretty crazy finish, seeing Florida squeak it out at the end. Tennessee making some questionable decisions in the fourth quarter and and Florida burning them. So, yeah, I mean, that was... It was fun to to be able to watch some college football with with Miami off. Yeah, it's tough sometimes with our days, you know, when we're covering a game on Saturday. You know, I mean, it just takes up the whole day. Uh, we don't get to see too much other than if we record games and, you know, check them out later morning. So that was definitely a good time. I didn't get a chance to see uh, that many. I, I saw some, but I was busy with the Marlins and stuff. But uh, but a- afterwards, I was watching uh, Brian Regan's comedy show on uh, Comedy Central. Um, for those that don't know, I don't know if you know, but Brian's from Miami. Uh, he went to Columbus High and whatever. Well, he was doing a joke that made me think of a story. But he was doing a joke where he's you know being mistaken by a different Brian Regan, who wrote screenplays, and he did a TV interview, you know, answering questions about movies he had done, uh, and he just kind of went along with it. And David, I think I've told you, but it reminded me of a story of like you know sometimes we're on the radio, we get we do radio interviews and stuff, and yeah. I was doing I was doing I was doing a radio interview with a, a Southern football. I don't even know what station or what state it was in, but they're they're having me on. This was a few years ago. They're having me on, and uh, you know, they, it, it was the year Georgia um, had a top ranked team with Stafford. Uh, you know, they were considered the the best team in the country, and so I go on, and, and then they had me on, and then they kind of ask, you know, well, what do you think? Of, what do you think of Georgia? And I was just like, oh, you know, I think they're pretty good. You know, it'd be fun to watch and and stuff. But uh, you know, I just thought it was like a general. That's what they were talking about because they were the top team in the country. Well, the whole interview was about Georgia. So, I mean, he kept going and asking me and, and you know, it took a few questions before I realized, like, well, this guy doesn't remember that I'm covering Miami. He's asking me all this Georgia stuff, and I just kept going along with it. And he asked me even, like, injury updates, and I just kept, I just kept it going. I was like, yeah, I think they'll be good, and, and just, just kept going, acting like I was covering Georgia. Then. Uh, it ended, and I, I don't think I've heard from him again or, or anything. But yeah, just uh, you know, sometimes that stuff kind of happens. But but yeah, we're here to talk about Miami, Cincinnati. Um, how much of Cincinnati have you gotten to see? Yeah, so I watched the Memphis game, this most recent game that Cincinnati played, and then I watched uh, the other game. I guess that they lost this year was a uh, Temple. So I watched some of that. And yeah, I feel like feel like you know have a good grasp of what they do, what they're about this year. Um, I mean, really, it's it's kind of a a team that really, really good on offense. I feel, and then you know, really, really kind of bad on defense. So, I mean, there's a lot to get into. I don't know where you want to start. Um, I mean, I guess the quarterback situation with Cincinnati is going to be you know fun to watch. It looks like Hayden Moore is getting the start. Um, with with Gunnar Keel still coming back from his neck injury, um, and really, I don't know how you felt watching the Memphis game, Chris, but honestly, I feel like Hayden Hayden's a better quarterback, anyways. Well, it's definitely interesting. I got to, so I so I saw with Cincinnati. I saw their first game, or I saw their game against Temple. They lost. Then I saw the next one against Miami of Ohio when they won, and then I saw the Memphis. So I saw them three times, and Hayden. Um, obviously, uh, you know, school record, 557 yards in the loss to Memphis the last game. But 
he he actually came in the game before against Miami of Ohio, and, and same kind of thing. Gunner got hurt. Uh, same kind, you know, took a hit, and, and this was in the second half, and he was out. So Hayden stepped in then, and I thought Hayden really struggled. Hayden looked like what you expected, or what most people expected against Memphis, where he, you know, new quarterback and didn't quite grasp things. He was turning the ball over, and you know, yeah. so all those things were going down. And then, you know, but at the end of that game, he, he leads them down to a game-winning drive and a touchdown, and they win. Uh, so he showed flashes in that game, but against Memphis, he just completely—he had a couple interceptions, but he completely turned it on and got going. And there's, there's no question he's a, he's a threat. And you could, yeah, I could see why you would say that. I mean, Gunner was throwing interceptions throughout the year but yeah, yeah. they've already announced they're going with Hayden so it, it's definitely he, he's definitely provides challenges there's no doubt about that yeah I think I think Hayden does a better job of protecting the ball I think I mean one of the reason why they lost to Temple is um they had I think five turnovers in that game yeah and Gunner had four picks yeah so I mean you know that's obviously an issue and Gunner Gunner is certainly I think he's more physically talented. I think he can run a little better than Hayden. He might have a slightly stronger arm. I think Hayden's arm is fine though. Uh, but I feel like Hayden just anticipates throws better. I think he sees the field a little better than Gunner. And I, I think his decision making is a little better in terms of limiting interceptions. Uh I think one thing I really noticed against Memphis with Hayden is particularly in the fourth quarter, he was just shredding Memphis, their safeties, in the middle of the field. And he was he threw a couple touchdown passes just right down the seam that were like at least 20, 30 yards. And, uh, you know, that's going to be something to watch this week with with Miami's shortened safety rotation in the first half. Yeah, there, there's no question. Yeah, and not just the safeties um, that, that'll be out. You know, you mentioned that on the last podcast, just at the cornerback situation with Miami, uh, they, they rotate three guys. Three guys play, take nearly all the snaps, you know, with Corn Elder, Tracy Howard, and Artie Burns. And you thought maybe they either looked a little tired against Nebraska or, or something physically. Yeah. Or, 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 but I think, you know, I think you're, you're talking about the safeties, but I think the corners, too, with Miami are going to be challenging this one. And, and, um, uh, there's a few. There's a few things. I think those two things will be um, definitely the the big part of the game. You know, how will Miami secondary react? Not just because Cincinnati throws it all the time, but be because they don't have a lot of depth. You know, in the first half they're going to be down, and then the corners are really only playing three. So I think that that's I think that's the key of the game, or or one, definitely one of the keys. No doubt. Well, here, yeah, here's the thing with Cincinnati. They run a ton of plays. They they're averaging 91 plays a game. Um, they had against Memphis they ran 100 plays in that game on offense and the most Miami has seen so far this season is Nebraska Nebraska got off 77 plays so yes that's going to be a big factor in this game can can Miami number 1 can Miami's defense get off the field and then number 2 if they can't how are those backups and even third stringers going to do when they get in the game because you can't have your starters out there for that many snaps. Yeah, it's going to be tough. And we, we kind of talked about earlier this week, you know, I thought this would be a perfect game. And Miami should have, they played Cincinnati before. This was obviously on the, they knew when this game was coming up. And I looked at it like, you know, I think they, they at this, the first few games, especially, you know, Bethune and, uh, 
you know, just with with FAU, just to get another cornerback going. I thought Sheldrick Redwine would have been a guy, a good guy to, you know, just get him a lot of reps and get ready for a game like this, just because it will be spread out and they're gonna. I mean, we looked at Cincinnati's receivers, and we'll get into that in a bit. But uh, the, Miami's defense will definitely be challenging the secondary. Um, I think Sheldrick's a guy that that might even just have to play, you know, whether he's yeah. ready or not. Or you know, and we say Sheldrick because we think that's the the number four guy um, that the, that they would go with. I mean, it's going to be interesting to see what Miami does. Because right? Cincinnati, for most of the game, will show four wide receivers. And so is Miami going to stick with their three corners and then two linebackers out there? Or are they going to go four corners, you know, man up the receivers they have? You you touched on the receivers a little bit, but what is it? Their top six guys are all seniors? Yeah, I know they returned. They returned seven, and I, I wrote down, the, you know, yeah, six six seniors that I I looked at are are key guys. There's another guy. I'm not sure what age he was, but yeah, their their top six guys are, are seniors and and all legit, and yeah. all all bring something different. So yeah, and we talked about the linebackers, but w- what will Miami do? Well, because they've been, you know, they've been done this for years where they they like to have their linebackers stretch out in a formation and guard the slot. Um, it, I just don't think that that that's going to work against this team. That wants that to create mismatches and that gets the ball out so quickly. Um, yeah, I mean, I think we'll just see more of the same. To be honest, I think we'll see. You know, even when Cincinnati puts four receivers out there, I think we'll see Kirby and Jermaine Grace out there on the field, along with the the rest of the defensive backs. Um, I I don't expect to see anything different with Miami's defense. Do you? No, I mean, no. Just because we don't see a lot of adjustments with the defense. Uh, drastic de- difference differences, you know. They kind of, they kind of just have the mentality of we're going to do what we're going to do, and uh, yeah. regardless of the opponent. And and I think that I, I assume that'll be a similar thing, just because we haven't seen enough signs of it. And they certainly could have done that against Nebraska when Nebraska was throwing the ball a lot in that fourth quarter. And uh, to me, it looks similar to you know similar to what they had been doing. If, if Miami does stick with that, it's going to be interesting to see how they rotate the linebackers because. I mean, Jermaine Grace is going into this game nicked up, and Coach Golden said he's a full go for for Cincinnati. Okay, even if Jermaine Grace does play, his back his backup Marcus Gayot had a you know tough injury situation during practice last week, and he's definitely out this week. So that promotes uh, Charles Perry or James King as Jermaine Grace's backup. So are we going to see those guys against Cincinnati t- uh, on Thursday night? I don't know. Yeah, it's going to be it's hard to think that they're going to throw them out there and it just seems like they might shorten things up a little bit with their depth, but yeah, it's definitely it definitely is going to be interesting to see what Miami decides to do. Um they would you notice, I mean we talked about, you know, with Hayden Moore at quarterback, would you notice I guess we'll start with the running backs at Cincinnati, just briefly, you know, because I think the big thing is their their receivers, and we'll get into that. But what do you what, what do you think of their their running back, their running game? Yeah, I mean, I think it's just more of a thing to keep defenses honest. To be to be honest with you, um, I just think they kind of do it to to keep defenses off track. Um, you know, they 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 mainly run with three guys: uh, Tion Green, Jose Williams, and Mike Boone. I mean, to me, they're all similar level talents. Um, I don't know. I mean, really, it's about their passing game to me. Yeah, in last year's game, Miami won 55-34. Cincinnati was only able to run for 67 yards on 
20, yeah. 29 carries and the long was 10. So I, I obviously that, that keyed into it, but you know, Tion green wasn't there. He's a guy, he's a big guy, six foot two thirty. Uh, and what's interesting to me with Tion is like, they'll run option reads with them and they will get him to the perimeter. Even though he's a bigger back, they'd like to get him outside. Yeah. Uh, Mike Boone to me is a, an explosive guy. I think he's questionable to play with yeah. the, dealing with an injury, but he's a big play guy if he's in there. And then I think Jose Williams to me is just solid. He's a Miami guy. We remember from high school down yeah. here uh one thing i noticed too watching these three games and i think they might have done it did it in all three i'm not for sure i didn't tally it but they like you know inside the 10 inside the red zone they like to run the wildcat um with their sure. running backs and tiana done it and i saw mike boone had, has also been the main back and what they did is i think on all on all i think i saw it three times but every time the running back kept it they weren't trying to uh hand it off or, or do certain things there they just you know the running back took the took the snap and, and ran straight ahead for and they they were successful with it so i think miami i'm sure miami uh yeah. would be ready for that but just because if we picked up on it they should as well but that's something just for fans to watch and uh you might see some wildcat with their their running backs yeah it's just you know another thing miami has to prepare for and you know it just seems like they like to run out of shotgun most of the time and and wildcat is just another look like that um but yeah i mean like like we both said i mean really their talent on offense is with their receivers and their quarterbacks. Who's some, who's their best receiver? Uh, who, who in your mind is their best guy? I mean, they, like I said, they got six guys, all seniors that they're top six and stuff. So who, who do you think is their best? Well, he's kind of dealing with an injury now, like an ankle injury, I guess. Uh, and I guess he's questionable. I expect him to play, but they're saying he's questionable for Miami. But I think Chris Moore is their best receiver. He's, He's kind of their guy that can do everything. So he can he can play the short passing game, and he also made some big plays deep against Memphis. Um, but they do they have a lot of guys. I mean, you can talk about the other ones too. But personally, I think Chris Moore is their top guy. Yeah, that was the one that I I, I pinpointed as their their most explosive, their best guy. You know, Shaq Washington is a five nine slot guy. Uh, I think he's on pace to to have their career record in reception. So he's definitely a threat. And you know, Mikael McKay is a six-five guy, sixteen career touchdowns. He hasn't got going uh, this season, right? Uh, he has an eighty-eight-yard touchdown, um, so he's he's had a big play. But then, you know, in that same game against Temple, he dropped one uh, inside the red zone or pretty close. It would have been an easy touchdown. So yeah. his stats could have been better. Mikael Mikael McKay is a guy in Miami better know what he's about because he's he's their big play guy, and he'll score an eighty-yard touchdown on you you know, at any point in the game. So, I mean, he's he's a matchup nightmare. He's six foot six, and he's probably their fastest receiver. Yeah, there's another guy, they're fat, you know, that I'd heard, that, you know, a fast guy, this Johnny Holton, uh, number three. Someone yeah. talked about him a little bit, just kind of learning more about him. But, you know, runs a, they said he run, I heard a 10-4, 100. And just a yeah. little bit about Johnny, just because, uh, you know, he's from Miami. David, I don't know if you heard about his story. Have you heard about his background? No, I mean, I saw... They got him from a JUCO, right? Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So, what it is? Johnny Holton is from, went to Coral Gables High School. He didn't play high school football. Um, he has ten siblings, and he worked at a grocery store during his high school years instead of playing football to help support his family. Uh, he was playing flag football with a classmate at Coral Gables, uh, who was going to this college at DuPage in Illinois. And so he's like, "Oh, you should come." And and Johnny was like, "I don't have a recruiting, you know, I don't have any video." And but he went up there, flew up there, and tried out for the team and made it. Plays two years at JUCO, had uh, caught forty passes for fifteen touchdowns. 
you know, offers started coming in. He picked Cincinnati. He was ineligible his first season at Cincinnati with classwork, and then he stayed up there and then worked at a Buffalo Wild Wings cooking wings. So, I don't know, just a really interesting story, and it sounds like he's yeah. got a potential future. And, you know, a guy from Miami um, that had kind of fl- obviously flew under the radar and for obvious yeah. reasons. But, you know, you know, Dave, we've been doing this for so many years and covering high school athletes in Miami, and we always like to see how they do you know, even if they don't go to Miami. So I think this is another guy, you know, I think UM fans uh, can certainly get behind that story. Again, Johnny Holton, that's number three. So, and he's a guy that can get downfield. So a uh, little raw, but you know, he's, he's definitely going to be a threat for. Yeah. For I mean, he, he was definitely being utilized against Memphis and, you know, going back to his story. I mean, that's just, I mean, it's crazy how much talent is in South Florida. I mean, it's similar to a uh, former UM receiver, Kane Farkason's story, right? Yeah, I mean, it's just ridiculous how, I mean, there's a, there's plenty of schools down here. Think about, you know, then you think about the stuff like this, but we keep, you know, this happens. It's certainly a rarity, but yeah, these kind of stories happen where, uh, you know, you got to look for talent just in the hallway sometimes, but yeah. it, it's, it, it's really, it's really cool that he's, he's been able to make it and be successful. And it's, it's great to see it, you know, that he, you know, Tommy Tuberville to give him a chance at the next level and uh, just a pretty neat, neat story there. Yeah, it's cool. Um, you know, there are other receivers. I saw Max Morrison, you know, six, one guy, pretty reliable. You know, he blew, Alec, up. He blew yeah. up against Memphis. He, I mean, it seemed like him and, uh, Hayden Moore have a really good connection. Uh, yeah, definitely. It, I mean, he, I think he led them like nine for one sixty two against Memphis. And I think he had some second half touchdowns. Um, so yeah, I mean, he's, He's definitely a guy who, I mean, he probably wasn't really on anyone's radar before that Memphis game, but certainly now you got to know about this guy. Yeah, and Miami's, we talked about the corner, going back to their cornerbacks, and, you know, the thing is, Miami, you know, those guys have, you know, Artie Burns has three interceptions, Cornelder's making plays, and Tracy Howard is a senior that's been, you know, heavily, you know, just an experienced guy. So these guys these guys are going to be challenged. We saw it with Gunner, you know, Gunner's going to throw the ball in coverage, and Hayden seems to have that same kind of mentality that they're going to throw it. So Miami's definitely going to have their opportunities to make plays on the ball. And, you know, you've heard of David. I mean, it's the secondary prides itself and believes it's it's one of the best in the country and all that stuff. And we always, you know, yeah, we understand your confidence. Well, let, let's see it. You know, let's let's yeah. see you make play. And this is a perfect opportunity for that secondary to make plays. And and I'm sure, you know, they, they won the game against Nebraska. And they, they all said it, you know, the way that ended didn't matter. But I, I'm sure the secondary has pride, and they they want to you know they know how it ended. I'm sure they they want another crack at you know stopping a passing offense, and perfect opportunity yeah. to do so. I know at, at practice this week, Artie Burns was saying you know he's he's excited to see an offense like this, and he was you know we asked again about about the Nebraska fourth quarter, what what kind of went on there from from a defensive standpoint, and you know he was disappointed with the way they kind of got lax in that game, and. I think they're looking at this as a game to show that they can bounce back and and they can be successful against an offense like this. So Miami's offense, uh, clearly you mentioned the, the the Cincinnati defensive struggles. And again, watching all three games, it was interesting because Miami of Ohio speeds it up, kind of like Memphis. And I think Miami of Ohio at one point was going at a faster pace. I mean, they were just play after play after play, whereas Temple, you know, grinded it out. Yeah. Um, what you see from what you see from their defense? I mean, uh, just real quick, I, their back seven seems to lack speed uh, in the yeah. secondary, and it's just a really poor tackling team. Uh, um, it's really bad. I Honestly, like I went into watching these games. I couldn't shake last year's game, last year's Miami-Cincinnati game. 
And that Cincinnati defense last year that played against Miami was awful. Like, I think, I mean, that was the worst defense from, you know, a real school that Miami played last year, not not counting the Savannah State game last year, but, you know, a real FBS team that Miami played. I think that Cincinnati defense was the worst defense that Miami played. And, I mean, the stats prove it out. I mean, the game was over in the third quarter. Uh, they pulled all their starters. I mean, Duke Johnson's average was ridiculous in that game. And Joe Yearby even ran for 100 yards. Gus Edwards ran for 85 yards. And really, like you touched on, it it comes down to this. They They cannot tackle. This Cincinnati still, like even against Memphis, it was there was a lot of missed tackles and also you touched on it too i i i agree i think it's a slow team yeah it's a, you know you look at you know going back to that, their game against temple with temple you know they're going to run it they're going to put two running backs two tight ends they they mentioned that a lot you know and that's what you saw and you know cincinnati's defense was doing pretty good you know i, I was they were containing them and then all of a sudden in the second quarter they just hit this they just hit this stretch and they're giving up big plays and they give up, you know, I think it was a, you know, a big, big long touchdown pass and long runs and then you give up a kickoff and, and it's all the similar things that we just said, you know, the lack of speed on defense and, and just poor tackling and, and the poor, ta- you know, we talk about Miami and I think Miami fans listening, you know, they, they've questioned, you know, there's been times where the Hurricanes have struggled tackling this season and, but man, you watch Cincinnati play and, and they, their struggles are, are a lot more than than uh, what Miami's are in terms of tackling and and the only thing I would say about this is that's what we've seen these first you know these three games that I've watched and that's what you've seen as well and, and last year the thing the key will be can this defense play better can Cincinnati's defense play better than they've shown be inspired by this Thursday night yeah. nationally televised you know all that stuff and, and that that'll be the key for them because they can't pl- if they play like they've shown in these other games, Miami's going to do just fine and won't have any struggles at all. Yeah, I mean, Cincinnati can't be what they've shown on tape already. They need to, like you said, they need to raise their games with this Thursday night uh, atmosphere and crowd. I will say one thing One thing that will be interesting to watch in terms of Miami's offense versus Cincinnati's defense is third down because... That's one, like, I tried to find something that Cincinnati's defense did well, and that was the one thing I could find that Cincinnati's defense actually ranks pretty well in the country. They they allow offenses to uh, convert 25% of their third downs, and that ranks like 12th in the country right now. And then on the flip side, you know, that's an area, we've touched on it on the site, that's an area that the Miami offense is still, I mean, you know, going on almost a year and a half now is still kind of struggling on third down on offense. So we'll see. I mean, you know, Cincinnati's issues with defense has been really, they can't get it to third down because they're getting chunked on first and second down so much that, I mean, third down's kind of not really happening for them, but if Cincinnati can get it to third down, they've shown that they can get stops. I think some of the weaknesses other than what we've mentioned so far with Cincinnati's defense, I think, Miami can expose them up the middle with their running game. I think this is a perfect game for Joe yeah. Yerby. He's got to really pound. You know, this is a perfect game for him to show his extra weight, like he showed before his extra strength. Because uh, when he gets up the middle in Cincinnati's defense, they struggle when guys come up the middle, and instead of a three or four yard gain, it becomes twelve. And and then you know, teams have been able to break one. So I think you know, watching Yerby, you know, Mark Walton to get his carries and will have opportunities as well. But that that will be the key. 
uh, because I think if Miami can can really establish the run and like they did last year, like you mentioned, I think they'll they'll be fine on on their with their passing game. Um, yeah, you mentioned some other thing. I think there was one guy that kind of stood out to me, and just I think there is you know uh, for a poor defense or below average defense, you know their safety Zach Edwards wears number four. You know he's a guy that had 121 tackles last year. And to me, yeah. he made some big plays in some of the games I've saw. You know, I, I, he's not someone that I don't think you can be over. You can't overlook him. Uh, the Miami offense, Kaya is going to have to be aware of number four. So I think back there, uh, I think he's a guy to watch if you're watching the secondary. And yeah, uh, I, I like uh, I like their hybrid linebacker safety guy, Leviticus Payne too. I thought he was. I mean, he's pretty active. He he plays hard and and he forced a fumble. Um, I think either against Memphis or Temple, I forget which game, but I mean, he's a guy that, that you got to know where he's at. Cause he does, he, he does play hard and he's pretty fast, you know, being a hybrid guy that plays close to the line of scrimmage. Yeah. So it should be an interesting game. Um, we want to answer some questions. Uh, there's some questions. If you ever have any questions that be answered on the podcast, you can go to Twitter, you can go to the message boards or shoot us an email you know, inside the U podcast at Gmail. Are you ready to get into some questions, David? Or do you have anything yeah. more to add? No, let's do it. All right. On Twitter, at Ed Sanchez235, he said, what can the D do to avoid Cincy exploiting what Nebraska did during the fourth quarter? Yeah. So, I mean, the the key with, with Cincinnati, the key in this game is, you know, it's, fair, it's fairly, you know, obvious, but you can't let Cincinnati get that play count up. So you got to get stops on third down. And, uh, you know, Miami's, Miami's got to keep Cincinnati's plays to, you know, right around 75 plays. If it starts getting into the 80s or 90s, I think Cincinnati can wear down this Miami defense. And I think you can see, I mean, if that happens, I think there's the potential of that kind of Nebraska-like fourth quarter. Uh, at Travis B 99 says, what is Kaya's confidence level on Dobard? And his other tight ends, and I think uh, the thing that we saw um, last week, we saw you know you saw the tight ends more involved. And I think Brad, if you yeah. you know how Brad is, Brad's going to say he's confident in everybody. But I think you know listen to James Coley, the offensive coordinator, talk about stuff, and he was just kind of saying that Brad's the type of guy that's going to go through what's open, and you know yeah. if, if teams are covering up tight ends, they're going to go elsewhere. They're not going to force it, and I think that's what you're going to see. Uh, they don't have a tight end on their you know in their unit that you feel like you have to force feed and or a guy that can make plays on his own they'll, they'll catch the ball if they're open but i don't think it's going to be anything tricky but i clearly they want their tight ends involved in the passing game so they will get some catches but um i, I think he's confident in them um as much as you're, you're yeah you would expect i don't i don't think you know i don't think standish had the best game against nebraska uh you know there's that that potential touchdown that was thrown to him that ended up being picked in the fourth quarter but on the flip side of that you know it was good to see chris herndon get involved got his got his touchdown in the first quarter and you know i think chris herndon honestly i think he's their best pass catching tight end i think he's better than joku even who's you know believed to be more athletic uh but yeah i mean you know i think brad's confident in all his guys to be honest yeah that leads into this next question from at chris rubio 22 says, are we going to see the emergence of Herndon and Joku to the offense and utilize their size and speed in the red zone? Yeah, I mean, I do think, I mean, with Joku, they want to give him jump balls. So I think if we see Joku being utilized, I think it's going to be in jump ball situations. And then Herndon, you know, kind of similar to how we saw him use against Nebraska in the red zone. I think he's a guy you can 
kind of put in the slot and he can use his big body to box out a a, a defensive back and, and come up with a touchdown. And I mean, Herndon also runs really well for a guy his size. So yeah, I mean, I think I think we'll continue to see the, both those guys being used. So going straight to the message boards, uh, we've got some questions here. Starting with Ask Cloud Eleven, uh, he wants to. He says, assuming Rashawn Scott remains solid throughout the year, is it fair to compare his career injuries included to Alan Hearns? If not, then who would you compare him to? Um, I mean, I I think his senior season will be similar to Alan Hearns, but I mean. A lot of people forget that season that that Rashawn did have where he had, you know, I think it was 512 yards in nine games as a sophomore, I think, Chris. Is that right? Yeah. So, I mean, there's a little bit of difference. And I I think Rashawn, I mean, Allen was a grinder. He just grinded and he got better each and every year. I would say Rashawn, Rashawn has worked hard too and he's better now than, than he's been in years past, but Rashawn to me has always been a top talent. So he's kind of had the talent. He's just kind of had, you know, off field issues or, or injury type things that, that have popped up and limited to, limited him. Yeah. So, good. yeah, I don't, I'm trying to think of just maybe just different position, somebody to compare him to that's went through injuries and then kind of put, was able to put it together there at the end. Um, it's tough because he, he's definitely done thing. you know, he's gone through stuff that you just don't see very often. Yeah. But along those lines, I mean, I do. I mean, if he's if he finishes the year healthy, um, he's going to have a big year. I mean, he's going to put up big numbers. Yeah, he's got an ask cloud eleven. Uh, also wants to know. He said, "I know we play LSU in 2018, but what SEC team aside from UF would you like to see us play?" Oh, good question. Um, I'd like to see him. Why? I mean, why not go play Alabama? I'd like to see that. Yeah, I think it'd be good. You know, Auburn and Georgia, obviously big name programs too. That that'd be fun to see. But any of them would be great. Um, here's another one. I plead the fifth. Ask what which player is the biggest surprise in this early season? Pick one from each side of the ball. Okay, uh, biggest surprise. Let me think. I mean, I wouldn't say. I mean, in terms of a guy, I'm not surprised he's starting, but I am surprised. He's he's ha- he's producing as much as he is, and that's Joe Yearby. I mean, I I thought he'd be pretty good. I didn't expect him to be this good. You know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. I mean, he he would be my guy on offense. He's been very very good. He's been better than I expected. On defense, I think. Uh, let me think. Defense, defense, defense. I'll go Jamal Carter. He's uh. You know, I I didn't know if the coaches would would really trust him this year, and they've they've definitely thrown him out there. They've given him a chance, and I think he's played well. I mean, he had that game changing play against FAU, and uh, you know, I, I think he's gonna just continue to get better and better with each week. Yeah, I'll stick with the year beyond that because again, you expected him to start. You expected him to be better than Walton. You just didn't expect this kind of production. Uh, early, you know, so I'll stick with year beyond. I'll go with Artie Burns. Uh, Artie's a guy that you knew would be, you know, again, you knew he'd be a starter, has skills, but now he's sitting out three interceptions. I didn't see that, um, you know, yeah. and, and some coming to him. But, you know, he's made some impressive plays with those picks too. So he, yeah. he's a guy I'd say that's off to a good start in terms of his production and making plays. And, and we hadn't seen that that level uh, yet in his career. So um, another one, um, let's see here. 
Now, this is interesting. I plead the, the fifth is also asking, I believe we are showing flashes, flashes of just how good we can be. Do you agree or disagree? I mean, I think, I mean, there's, I would just answer that as I think, sure, there's flashes maybe, but I think there's still a long ways to go in terms of where this team needs to be to be at the point where we expect the University of Miami. So I think, you know, the defense still has needs to make a lot of strides. And, I mean, the offense, I would say the offensive line has been better than I thought it would be. So we'll see if they can continue to progress. And they the offense needs to be much better on third down. They can't sustain um, this conversion percentage on third down and expect to be successful for the rest of the year. So, I mean, sure, there's flashes, but... You know, there's still a long ways to go before we say Miami's back. Yeah, and we've talked about it before. It's about completing, you know, putting together a season. It's not about flashes and within the season or or one game sample size. You got to put together a solid uh, season and, and you got to prove yourself. And uh, we're still waiting for that. So Wink One asks, with Coley's hamstring injuries, wouldn't it be wise for Miami to redshirt him and get him back completely healthy? It seems like he just isn't himself since his freshman season. I kind of, you know, I understand that, and I think it's going to be something worth w- worth watching because I know right now that's not going to be said from Golden. But you know, the more games Stacy misses, and if Herb Waters and Rashawn Scott are doing well, and you know Malcolm Lewis and Tyree Brady kind of makes plays here and there, they got Braxton back. Maybe, maybe if guys if they feel comfortable with their receivers, maybe that will be something that they'll look at because if Stacy continues to miss games, it's something that they might look into. But I, I think, I believe that, you know, if Stacy's ready to go, you get him out there because you got to win now. you got to win games, and he can certainly help you. Um, so I, it's definitely a situation worth watching. Yeah, I mean, I think I'm with you. I think, I don't think they want to redshirt him, but, I mean, I think if they do go down that path, it might be good for Stacy's career. I mean, it worked out for a guy like Rashawn Scott. You know what I mean? So, um, you know. I, I don't think we're kind of at that point yet where we need to really consider that, but we'll see, I guess. Yeah, uh, some more questions, you know, just about recruiting. There's some recruiting questions and Florida State stuff. And just to let everybody know, we're going to do a, a podcast solely on recruiting next week. Uh, we'll answer all the questions there and then nef- definitely do one next week on, on you know, just preview on Florida State and all that. So we'll get to that there. Um, you know, David, you kind of touched on this one, but Kanaholic wants to know, do you guys feel if the offense can figure out their red zone and third down woes, then we can compete with anybody? He says, I believe the defense has played well enough causing turnovers, giving the offense golden opportunities that they haven't been able to capitalize on them. I still I still want to see it from the defense. So I, I still am shaky on them You know, after that Nebraska fourth quarter. I want to see a full game from this defense. We saw... We saw the defense step up in the second half of the FAU game. We saw them look pretty good in the first half of the Nebraska game, but we still haven't seen a full game. So I'm not willing to say that yet until we see a full game from the defense. And then Real Nard 86, how is Evan Sheriffs doing with the practice squad? He's like, I love his potential. He has pretty good speed, a pretty good arm, and his accuracy looked good on film with all the focus on Jake Allison being the heir to the throne after Kaya. I think Evan might be a better prospect. Your thoughts? I think they're similar players, to be honest. I mean, they're both very tall. They both have big arms because, I mean, they can really whip it around 
with their length. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know if Evan's a better prospect than Jack. I would say, you know, I'd give the slight edge to Jack, but, I mean, that speaks highly of Evan rather than, you know, down about Jack. I think I think Miami, honestly, they got a steal with how late they got Evan. Uh, I don't know how he slipped through the cracks like that. So, yeah, I mean, I think Evan's kind of what you want in terms of a developmental quarterback and a guy who can compete for a, a starting job in the future. Yeah, we haven't asked uh, lately about Evan how he's doing per se, but we, you know, early on in, in fall camp and asking then around then, you know, just what are your thoughts on him? You know, we heard a lot of good things about him from players, and they like what they what they see, and and some of the things that you mentioned, obviously a guy that with some good skills and this fan has already seen it too, you know, from watching him on film, but you know, yeah, some good skills, a guy that could develop, no doubt. And um, like, I feel comfortable saying, I mean, we saw like Preston Dewey when he was here, even Kevin Olson, I would say Evan Sheriff's, you know, I mean, this isn't saying much, I guess, but he's more talented. There's more potential there than those two guys had. Yeah, no doubt. And even though those guys got, you know, the, the, a little bit more recognition and accolades. We, we weren't high on them at all uh, coming out of high school. Some of the things that we saw concerned us as far as them as prospects. So, And we, we don't have that feeling with Evan. Um, here's one. Canes fan in SC asks, which is Miami's toughest remaining game, Miami at FSU or Clemson at Miami? And then also wants to know, what is the chance of Coley and Gayot returning when Miami re- travels to Tallahassee? Yeah, I mean, I would still say the FSU game because, I mean, that is on the road. So I think I think FSU and Clemson are pretty pretty similar in terms of how good each of those teams are. But that road game makes the FSU game tougher. Um, with Coley and Gaya, I do think I do think Miami's trying to get Coley back for that FSU game. Like I think that's the goal. So we'll see. I mean, I I would expect him to play in that game. Um, but you just never know with hamstrings because there's there's such a tricky injury. In terms of Gayot, it's just hard. It's hard to know, man. Like that's just up to the doctors. And when they clear him, I mean, I think he's going to meet with some specialists. Coach Golden was saying he's meeting with specialists next week. I think. So I wouldn't expect him back for Florida State. But I mean, it's just you you don't know. You don't know with Gayot right now. Yeah, and we saw it's just tough to tell, and I think it's one that's going to be out for a little bit. But I, I do see again. I think Coley, if he can, if they can get him going, there's no doubt that they could use him in Tallahassee. It's a big game. I think that's the bigger game. Um, I understand what the fans saying. Maybe you know, sliding FSU not being as good as they've been. Um, but but I think I think that's the tougher game, and um, you know, I, I think that's that's the that's the key game, essentially key for the season. But. You know, again, it's going to be a long season. A lot of tough opponents that Miami, that will, Miami will have to overcome. So, another question here: Shad fourteen nineteen says, moving forward, do you guys feel Tucker and Gray will get more burn to preserve Yerby? Um, I think of those two, I think Trayon Gray would be the guy. Um, and I do think, I mean, I think eventually they're going to have to introduce a third running back. I don't know if Yerby and Walton can can be the two main guys i think you gotta introduce a third running back at some point this season yeah i agree and i think walter tucker's just uh i think there's a noticeable difference between with Trayon gray being the third guy and i think there's a noticeable difference of where walter tucker is on the depth chart but i, I don't see walter tucker being involved uh, essentially at all this season unless there's an injury 
Yeah. Sa- same qu- same guy, Shad, 1419 with Coley out. Will Cager get the start opposite of Scott, or will they just bump Berrios up? I think Berrios, and then I think you'll see Tyree Brady, too. I mean, Tyree got a lot of, you know, in terms of what we've seen from Tyree in the past, he got a lot more playing time against Nebraska. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think we'll see Tyree, Malcolm, Braxton kind of fill in for, for Stacy. Yeah, I think people expecting Lawrence Cager to make a, a big impact for his freshman year. Just, I don't think you're going to see that from him. Again, there's other guys in front of him. He'll 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 play when it's his time. I don't see him. I think that what you've seen him this so far. I think that's kind of what you'll see from his freshman year, unless somebody gets hurt. But I think all the guys in front of him will essentially stay in front of him. Yeah, um, I like I like Cager's talent. I like his, his potential. potential. Right. He yeah. Just, he needs work. I mean, he he needs you know, after a full year. Here. we'll see what he's you know what he can really do next year i think yeah and one of the things that i asked guys about what they thought of cager that stood out to me during fall camp uh one thing that they said was just he's an eager guy he wants to learn he asks questions he wants to be good yeah. essentially and i think that's good from young players you don't always get that um and the fact that he's doing that uh yeah. is a positive sign he's very, he's very bright he's a very bright guy uh, lastly, with this guy, you know, from Shad fourteen ninety. Lastly, do you guys think a wildcat look with Yearby and Gray would be more effective than the read option with Rozier? Uh, I feel Rozier experiment hasn't yielded the results the staff was looking hoping for. Um, I don't know. I still think. I think. I mean, if you're gonna do a wildcat, I still think you do Rozier. I think it's either wildcat with Rozier or just no wildcat at all. That's kind of how I feel. Yeah, I don't understand what they're trying to do with Malik. I guess they want to get him in there. It just doesn't seem, yeah, it hasn't worked. And, uh, you know, maybe in the future, you know, he'll have his opportunities. It just hasn't worked. So um, another question from Stout Beast. He wants to know, Joe Brown has a defensive lineman's mentality and physicality for an O-lineman, you know, and would, would help in the running game, and will we see more of him? I mean, they certainly like him. Um, I think we'll see him gain more playing time in the offensive line rotation uh as the season progresses so yeah i mean i think i think joe will start playing more and more as the season goes on yeah he's definitely a guy that we hear about uh amongst the guys that aren't starting um that, that's doing well there's there's certainly guys on the offensive line that we never hear about so and joe brown is definitely one we hear about so yeah i i agree i think he's someone that could get in the rotation at some point during the season um getting more reps and things like that um, and obviously, if there were some, if there were to be an injury, Joe's name would pop up uh, as getting more involved. Or, or if someone really struggles, you know, Joe's kind of one of those guys I'd be the first to look at. Yeah. Um, here's a few few more. You know, style beasts. As the season progresses, two of the freshmen O linemen with Gauthier and St. Louis are very physically developed and play that way. Will they begin to see more playing time as they become acclimated to their positions and execution schemes? Um. I would say no. I, I don't expect to see them play much this year. I mean, barring injuries, I don't think they'll be playing much in terms of like impressing the coaching staff enough to really push for playing time. Uh, I mean, maybe I'm wrong, but I, I feel like those two are kind of further down the depth chart. Got it. Yeah, that's it from questions. Um, again, from inside the com. you can always Go there for, you know, we got articles and, and, you know, breakdowns and things like that. we got plenty of there if you're just listening to the podcast. We definitely appreciate everyone listening. You can follow us on Twitter, at Inside the U. Uh, David, it's good talking to you again, talking about yeah. the game. It should be a fun game. It's definitely going to have its challenges. Um, it'll be interesting to see how Miami responds. Yeah, it'll be, you know, I think it'll be a high-scoring game. So we'll see how it goes.
All right, guys. Thanks again for listening.